0: Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Podcast, where we talk all things well-being, personal development, and live in our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. And if you're here in the United States, then happy belated Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good day yesterday. And now that it's Friday, if you are here in the U.S., you're probably checking out the Black Friday sales. I know I will be. But this year, I'm doing things a little bit more intentionally. To reference last week's podcast, I've actually made a list of things that I want to buy. And I am going to do my damnedest to stick with that list and not succumb to impulsive spending that uh, I tend to do while scrolling Instagram. So anyway, that's my weekend. Today, I'm doing a casual podcast just to uh, reflect on almost a year of recording this podcast and my YouTube channel and really just being immersed in the content creation process around ADHD, which was a huge left turn from what I've been previously doing in fitness. So here we are, Thanksgiving weekend, and I gotta tell you, I am so grateful for the year that I had. It wasn't entirely easy. It was a lot of new things. It was a lot of hard things. And it continues to be really hard in a lot of ways. And the the energy that comes from putting yourself out there when your skill set does not meet your own expectations and overcoming that just weight of perfectionism of wanting to be things to be a certain way, but not being able to produce at that level because you just haven't met that skill set level yet. It's hard. It's not easy to push yourself out there again and again and, and watch growth. That's incredibly slow, but incredibly gratifying. Like I have heard so many of your stories. So many of you have reached out to me and said, you appreciate the podcast or the YouTube channel. And That means the world to me. It really, really does. And over the past year, I've met so many amazing women and a few men with ADHD that I've had the honor of coaching. And I think the most healing piece of that entire journey has been listening to the struggles of my fellow ADHDers and knowing that what I hear in them are the exact same things I feel in myself and knowing that I'm not alone. And if there's anything that I would love for you to take away from this blurb is that you are not alone in your struggles and there are other people out there just like you. And the more that you can be vulnerable and open with the the struggles that you have in a way that is obviously, you know, useful. Nobody wants somebody who's just constantly complaining about their struggles, but the more that you can articulate what's going on inside in a way that helps other people empathize and relate and connect, the more valuable, or maybe that's not the right word, the more connected you will feel to people that are just like you. You will find your people. And in this past year, I have definitely found my people and I'm so grateful for all of that. It has just been a remarkable year. So in honor of that, I wanted to walk through how I'm measuring success differently in light of my diagnosis, which is still not even two years old yet. Today's Karen measures things so much differently than I used to. And I know that some of this is maturity and some of it is personal growth and development, which I've always been on that journey. But a lot of it has been The coaching education that I've been immersed in, and of course, then the practice that has rolled out of that as you coach others. And like I mentioned before, as you start to learn what other people struggle with, you're able to look at things more objectively because you're hearing the same struggle that you deal with coming from somebody else's perspective. But because you're not in their shoes, you are able to, like I just said, objectively understand what they're saying, empathize, but know that. The struggle is very often self-created. With that said, let me share how I used to measure success. I used to measure success of my health by the number on the scale. As you know, if you've been around here a minute, I have been coaching in fitness for like almost 10 years before starting my current business. Fitness has been really important to me, and I talk about it a lot in terms of my personal and mental and emotional development and how fitness has really fostered that. But it has also, I will be completely transparent, been driven largely by aesthetics. I know how it feels to be very overweight. It's uncomfortable. I didn't like myself when I felt like that. And I never wanted to feel that way. And if you are somebody who's overweight and you do feel comfortable, then that is what's most important. It's how you feel in your body. And I never felt good in my body when I was over 200 pounds. Now at 130, 135 me these days, maybe, I feel great. I feel like a 35-year-old and I'm going to be 53 this year. So I'm so incredibly grateful for that. And the way I measure success now versus then, then being number on the scale, what is your body fat composition? Now it's how do I feel? how did I move today? Did I get some mobility in? Did I get some back bends and hip openers in? Did I get my 10,000 steps? Did I get a sweat on so much so that it just worked out the kinks and the willies, if you will. And on the days that I'm able to do that, especially first thing in the morning, I always have a 100% better day. It's more productive. It's more focused. I'm less in my thoughts and more in the moment, and feeling myself, if you know what I mean. So that is probably one of the largest differences in terms of how I measure success now versus then. The other really significant measure that has changed since my diagnosis is my financial situation, basically the number in the bank. Pre-diagnosis, when I was in a line of work that I didn't enjoy. And I really struggled because I didn't enjoy it, even though I was pretty good at it. The work was not something I was interested in. And the way I was working was draining my energy. And just the whole idea of being in a corporate environment was really hard for me, not to mention the years that I worked in an office, because fortunately for the last three or four years, I worked remotely. But I never fit into a corporate job. Every day I would wake up and the feeling was like wearing like pants that were too tight all day long. That's what being in a job I didn't like felt like. So for me, the most important thing was to save as much money as I could to hit my FIRE number. And I've talked about FIRE before, means financial independence, retire early. That, once I learned about it, I became obsessed with making enough money so that I could retire because I hated work that much. Now, post-diagnosis, which flipped my entire life on its head in the very best of ways, where now I have a career and now I'm doing something that is so intrinsically aligned to who I am that I couldn't imagine ever stepping away from this work, that number in my bank account doesn't even matter anymore. I have no desire to retire ever because I'm finally doing something I am passionate about. Not just now, I see the roadmap for my future evolution of where I'm going to grow in this work and in this community and around the whole idea of thriving with ADHD. There's so many places I can take this. And my audience will always come with me. Adult women with ADHD, predominantly diagnosed later in life, who really just are desiring to get a grip on their brain chemistry and understanding how to work with their brains as opposed to against it, as I had done myself for so many years. So, this work that I'm doing now is the work of my life. It's my Dharma. And I don't ever see it changing because I will always be that person, right? I will always be. Learning and discovering and experiencing ADHD at different ages and in different scenarios as I walk through my life. So, everything I do is relevant to the work that I have now. And oh, like so incredibly grateful. 180 in terms of my approach to work. And as a result, that fire number, even though I hit it, I hit it the minute we moved to Austin. I don't have to make another dime in my life if I don't want to. But It doesn't even matter. And when you find the work that you love and you enjoy doing it, I'm not going to say you never work another day in your life because I don't believe that to be true. I work very, very hard, but it's work that's very gratifying. Like it's work that I feel like I need to do. I can't not do this work. And as a result, I don't need to look for other ways to soothe the pain and angst I feel around working at a job that I hate. Does that make sense? I bet it does. I bet a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Like you're in a job you don't like and you're making money, enough money to pay the bills, hopefully. And in order to soothe your angst about having to wake up and go to a job you hate every day, you say, well, you know, I'm gonna at least buy myself this pair of shoes or this trip or this or that. There's almost a tax that comes with working a job you hate for a long period of time because you need to somehow give back to yourself and fill your cup. And you try to do that through consumption or trips or things that cost a lot of money. And I'm not saying I don't like consumption. I'm not saying I don't like trips. But that need to fill my cup in a way that, you know, my job sucks my life, so I need to treat yourself or treat myself in order to make up for it, that does not exist anymore. So I don't think about that sort of thing anymore. So if I go to, you know, Target or if I'm on Amazon or if I wanna go on a trip or something like that, I go and I bring my work with me and I don't ever feel like I need to reward myself for the work that I'm doing because the work itself is a reward. Now, that's not to say that I don't need to go on vacations and take care of myself Because whether you hate your work or love your work, if you are somebody who's uh, very driven and has a hard time staying aware of how their energy is being managed in the moment, then you're likely cycling through burnout again and again and again. And I am not very good at understanding my energy and projecting how to best sustain it. I find something that I love and I grab onto it. I go 140% until I hit a wall and fall flat on my face. So I do need to take intentional vacations just in order to reset and you know not burn myself to a crisp so that I end up in a position where I hate what I'm doing right now or resenting it because that's not how I feel and that's not ever how I wanna feel. So my focus is really around intentionally creating that balance Not because I hate my work, but because I want to stay energetically powered up to show up for my work. And the one last thing that has changed for me in terms of how I measure success, pre-diagnosis versus post-diagnosis, is the way other people perceive me. And this one is, oh, actually, I feel it in my heart right now as as I say this. I spent so many years masking trying to be a normal vanilla version of myself. I had my work mask and I had my hanging out with my girlfriend's mask. I had the mask that I wore when I went out on dates with men. I had masks for every conceivable need. And this is, again, partly maturity and wisdom and being in my 50s and having fewer Fs to give, but definitely it also comes from a place of understanding who I am better now. Masking is a big deal for ADHDers. We have to put this false coding on so that we can contain our quirkiness, if you will, because we don't know how it's going to be received. Not only that, we can also be very impulsive and hyperactive. We can say things we don't mean. And because we're just so concerned about that, we almost tighten up and it gets really hard to be who you really are and let people see who you really are when you don't feel safe enough to do that. Now, pre-diagnosis, and I would say all the way into my childhood, I spent a lot of time and effort and energy, oh, so much energy on worrying on what people thought. You know, like In school, does this person like me? Does this boy like me? Does that chick hate me? Why are they not talking to me? How come they haven't called me back yet? Oh my God, I sent this person text message. They didn't send the text message back. They hate me. What did I do wrong? I'm a horrible person. I'm a terrible friend. I'm going to die alone. Like, I don't know if that sounds remotely familiar to you, but that is how my brain spirals out of control. And that is why it is so important for me to surround myself with people that I feel safe with knowing that if I send them a text message and they don't send one back, it's not because, you know, they're mad at me and they're trying to ghost me, but because they're busy or they for, most likely forgot because the majority of the people in my life have a bit of a squirrely brain like I do. But, you know, if they're the type of people that if I upset them, which I really do because they're not easily upset, they would tell me. And that's the relationship that we have. And then as a result, I don't need to go through that downward spiral every time I don't hear from them right away so I spent a lot of time and mental energy like seriously so much energy going through life worrying about how other people thought of me and I think about it mostly in the context of friendships with other women and when I was younger as a girl and dating most definitely with dating it didn't matter how much of a dud a guy was, I was always so concerned about how he perceived me to the point where I'm not even sure if any of the men that I dated casually ever had an inkling of who I really was because I was such a vanilla candy-coated version of myself. Oh, in retrospect, I'm I'm so glad that that's not my situation anymore. And I'm so glad that I found a husband that uh, finds my quirkiness endearing That makes all the difference, all the difference to find a partner who loves you for who you are. And really when I take a step back and look at everything that I just shared with you, the through line is my perception, right? Like how I perceived how others saw me, or how I perceived the number in my bank account meant for me and my life and my freedom, and how I perceived my personal value based on the scale. Like those were Head trash stories that were completely in my head because I'm sure nobody else was thinking about how much I weighed or how much was in my bank account or even thinking about their perception of me because at the end of the day, most people are not thinking about me and realizing how mentally and emotionally and even physically exhausting and how unimportant it really, really was. So, my biggest takeaway through all of what I just shared and then. From my own experience in the past two years, since being diagnosed, from all the research that I've done, from all the training that I've done around ADHD, and trust me, I've done a lot. Here's what I know to be true. The quality of your life is proportional to your level of self-awareness and your willingness to honor your unique needs, no matter what. My level of self-awareness pre-diagnosis was really poor until I got my diagnosis and I started down this coaching journey, and it really opened my eyes to what is true about me, what is true about humanity, and what is true about my neurodiverse brain. And then that second point, your willingness to honor your unique needs no matter what. When I come back to those three things that I mentioned, how I used to measure success by the number on the scale, by the number in my bank, and how other people perceived me, not one of those measurements took into consideration my unique needs. Well, actually, I I take that back. The number in the bank was catered to a specific need, and that was to retire so that I didn't have to be in the job that I was in anymore. But what I didn't realize then was that I needed to find the work that I was truly passionate about, and then I wouldn't even care about the number. So that was just misdirected. But the number on the scale was never looking at my true unique needs, which was to sleep really well, stay very hydrated, move my body every day before noon, and eat a whole foods diet. Not perfectly, but predominantly. Those are the unique needs that I have in order to show up as my very best, in order for me to ensure that my state is at its very best so that my brain is on its A game and I can bring my best to every day, whether that's at work or hanging out with my husband or hanging out with my friends or just being with myself. I have to have those things aligned in order to be my best self. And the number on the scale has literally nothing to do with that. And then of course, how others perceive me. There was nothing inherent about my unique needs in that focus, that obsession with, does that person like me? Does that person not like me? What did I do wrong? How can I change? How can I be a different person so this person will like me? Absolutely no attention to, do I like this person? Do I need to be anything different for this person? It Does this person need to be in my life? Does this person have any thought about me? Which probably not. Oh, so I'm gonna repeat that one more time because I think it is absolutely so important. Your life and the quality of your life is proportional to your level of self-awareness and your willingness to honor your unique needs no matter what. So I ask you as we wrap up this podcast, How do you see your level of self-awareness? Are you being who you are around the people that you love? Are you wearing masks? Where are you wearing masks? Are you doing work that you love? Is there work out there that you would love to do? Or have you not had that exploration and discovery yet? Because there's something out there for all of us. We all have our own unique gifts to bring to this world. And I know you have genius within you. It's just a matter of finding it. And finally, are you honoring your own unique needs no matter what? Do you even know what those needs are? And if the answer to those two questions is nope, (laughs) I don't have a great level of self-awareness and nope, I'm not honoring my needs and I probably don't even know what they are, then I invite you to come find me because I would love to work with you. That is exactly what I do for women with ADHD or just women with busy brains, multi-potentialites and just women that can't seem to nail down their path forward. So if that's you, let's talk because I would love to work with you. And on that note, guys, I hope if you're here in the US that you have a beautiful Thanksgiving weekend and anywhere else you are listening from the rest of the world, I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Talk to you soon, guys. Ciao for now.